GameZillaMedia.com. It's time for the last action podcast. Pop quiz, hot shot. Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for speed. Kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome to the Last Action Podcast. This is our 150th episode spectacular. I am LPJ, and joining me is the Sam Jackson to my... Bruce Willis, Hovercraft Joe. You know, that I have to say, that's one of the best uh, intros you've given me in a while. It's better, uh, yeah, I almost uh, referenced an episode that hasn't come out yet. So it's better than that episode that you might listen to next week, how you introduced me. Well, don't thank me yet. Also joining me is the Sam Jackson to my <laughs> Bruce Willis. The Sphinx is here. What? Uh, LPJ. There's Hovercraft only- Joe. What's up? There's only two people in this movie, so, you know. <laughs> what about, what about like, the Jimmy Irons to your uh, Alan Rickman? Eh, I didn't want to make him the villain. All right. I could be the villain. I'm cool with that. All right, fine. <laughs> Jeremy Irons it is. Or do you want to be, or do you want to be uh, what's her name, uh, his right-hand lady? As long as I get to slice your neck open. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's, wow. Welcome back. Uh, yeah. And we have a packed house. We decided for our 150th episode, we were going to bring back all of our, maybe not all of our, but a lot of our frequent and favorite guests. Uh, so for left to right, we've got Chops. It's uh, it's Chops. I'm not Puerto Rican. <laughs> what? What? Oh, it's a line from the What? <laughs> oh, I got it. Thank you. Oh, All right, we've got. All right, see you guys later. I'm out. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> we we've got we got the tush. Dave is here. So okay, so the Sam Jackson has already taken your Bruce Willis. Can I be the the bomb tech who goes on to be the cantankerous butler on the Disney Channel show Jesse? Wow. <laughs> you know what? I was not going to bring that up for fear of people <laughs> laughing at me. I'm so glad you did. I have nieces. You know, I watched it, and then I like the show. Maybe I watched them all. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, we have Jody. What's up, LPJ? Uh, Tush, I'm a little mad because that was where my sweet, sweet money was coming for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, joke's on you. I didn't look up his net worth, so you don't have to worry about it. So we can establish that we all recognized him as the, the butler from Jesse then, right? I have no idea what you're talking about. No, my daughter watched it three times in quarantine, the entire series. I know the show, but I didn't, I wasn't like, hey, that's the butler from it when I saw him. Anyways, um, okay, so if you haven't guessed, we are here to talk about Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah, because we uh, which, dropped such hard hints in those intros. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, which was released on May 19th of 1995. Uh, so as we usually do, let's start with kind of talking about, you know, our experience or kind of background of this movie. Let's start with the tush. What do you got for us, Dave? Um, well, this was the first Die Hard movie I saw in theaters because it was the, one, the first one I was old enough. And I seem to recall seeing it at the Terrace Cinema Dollar Shows. Where you go when it was back when it was, you know, it was a you know like second run movies for a dollar. It's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I liked it. 
back in the day. Uh, what about you, Chops? I mean, the, these the, all the Die Hard movies are a blur on when I saw them because I don't remember life not having seen them. So you were you were wasted when you watched them all. Apparently, yeah, I was just blitzed out of my mind <laughs> at, at the age of nine when this movie came out <laughs> or whatever. Um, this uh, no, I'm sure LPJ forced me to watch it, or he just put it on one day and I just sat there and watched it with him. I, I have no idea when it happened. Uh, Sphinx. This is actually the first Die Hard movie I ever saw. Um, I think I've mentioned on the other two Die Hards we've done, but you know, my dad had the first three movies as a DVD set when DVDs first like had come out, and I think it was my older brother slipped this one, you know, in the in the DVD player, and I sat down and watched it with them, and I was like, oh, all right, I see what this Die Hard's all about now, and. This was definitely the movie that then made me want to go back and see the other two. Um, so, yeah, no, that's it was probably right around the year 2000 or so that I saw it. So didn't see it in the theater, didn't see it when it came out. But, yeah. Uh, Joey? Until about two years ago, this is the only Die Hard I've ever seen. <laughs> um, I saw this one in theaters, also at the Terrace, not with the tush, with my parents. <laughs> we didn't know each other back then. But, uh... Yeah, I've seen the first one now in theaters a couple years back, but this is my first and only one for a long time. Uh, what about you, LPJ? This is where it gets hazy for me. I don't, oh I don't Man, remember you, if I you, saw this. What is going on in the Nostrander house? I know. <laughs> you and Chops are ripping <laughs> shots and watching our, our basement was constantly wet. I'm sure we breathe in a ton of mold as children. <laughs> like, I'm surprised I'm still alive. That's probably true. Really? No, I can't remember. what. I'm, it's hazy because I can't remember if I saw this in the theater or not. Only, And I say that because I remember how pumped, Joe, you and I were when this was coming out. Like, we we were super excited for it. Like, it just seemed like a super cool movie. I had obviously seen Die Hard and Die Hard 2 several times um, when this movie came out. And uh, and I was super pumped to see it. So I want to say I saw this at the terrace, but I don't remember seeing it at the terrace. But I know at the very least, I rented it and watched it as soon as it came out on video. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I don't remember seeing this in the theaters. I feel like this is something we probably sat and watched in the basement, like Chop said, <laughs> like I, I, I maybe saw in the theaters, but I don't think so because I, I, unlike a lot of people who are on this podcast, my parents are a lot more strict about uh, what I saw <laughs> when I was uh, fifteen when this movie came out. So I don't think I was seeing R-rated movies, but um, I definitely uh, remember seeing this a lot. Um, and I, I hadn't watched it in a while, but this is definitely. Um, yeah, this is a big movie. We had we uh, behind the scenes a little bit. LBJ and I had a had a long discussion about what we were going to do for 150, and there were some other contenders. But uh, ultimately, we decided on this because it is kind of we both love it, but also it's kind of like an iconic. And I would say it holds up. I, I mean, I'm not going to say it's as good as the first one, but it holds up to it. Like, I, it, it, we'll get into it, obviously. But yeah. um, and, and obviously, this in keeping with the year of the sequel, this is another. You know, th- this is really the the last big sequel that we haven't done. Wow! No, the, the <laughs> last the last <laughs> big icon- the last big iconic um, ones. What other what other big iconic sequels haven't we done? Uh, we haven't done any of the James Bond sequels. Technically, uh, all those movies could count, but they're not bigger than this. 
What if, what about uh, Rambo? First uh, first uh, not bigger than this. What about uh, Three Ninjas Kick Back? Come on. You know <laughs> what? Temple of Doom. You might be right. I was about to say Temple of Doom. We Lost haven't done world. We haven't done Raiders yet. <laughs> Listen, John. You don't need to. You can just skip to, skip to the second. I'm not you. Okay. Listen, so John. you meant you meant of the movies we have done on the podcast, there's yeah. no bigger Yeah, well, yeah. Like saying? what sequel yeah, what sequels are left that we haven't done? Guardians I, of the Galaxy. Maybe. I guess what about Batman Returns? <laughs> That's not bigger than this. Guardians two? Spider-Man Far From Home. Two? Yeah. I don't know. Those are Spider-Man Far I, From Home. Okay, we're, we're I, don't I just want to let's we're never gonna convince him, but it the there Transformers two. There's little, Age of Ultron? Duh. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's Marvel movie. Proof. Um so yeah, we like you can tell right now LBJ is wrong about this, but we're just gonna move on <laughs> so we don't have to keep Listing sequels. Okay, let's run through some numbers on this movie. Uh, the budget is $90 million, uh, which is quite a bit, I feel like, for 1995. But, I mean, watching this movie, like, I can see how it costs $90 million to make this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, so it had a – this is the interesting thing about this movie. It had a domestic gross of only $100 million, right? So barely breaking its budget. But the worldwide gross is $366 million. So it – a huge success. It ended up being, it was the highest grossing movie in the world for that year, but like domestically its numbers aren't that high, which is, you know, kind of interesting. Um, Rotten Tomatoes on this is 60%. uh, And then the audience score is 83%, which seems about right. As far as I'm concerned. Now uh, the top grossing movies of 1995, number one is toy story. Number two is a movie that we covered uh, Batman forever. And number three is Apollo 13. This movie, Die Hard with a Vengeance, came in 10th uh, for the year. Other movies we have covered from 1995 are number 27, Bad Boys. Number 52, Judge Dredd. Number 66, Desperado. And number 81, Sudden Death. So uh, a year that we've hit uh, quite a bit here on the podcast. Yeah, that's that's absolutely correct. Yeah, uh, I mean, what was that, six movies we did? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. If you count this, this will be one, six. Yeah. That's a lot. I mean, I there's not a lot of years where we've done six movies. Is there be... is there a year you haven't done yet or no? Uh, it's funny. We yeah, just, actually, just like our last two episodes were both the years that we had. It was the first time we had done a movie in them. I can't remember what the years were, but um, I'm sure there's a yeah, lot 20, of years. 2019 was one. <laughs> well, I, 1905. <laughs> We, we have not covered the great train robbery, you know. I mean, <laughs> well, uh, we definitely have a sweet spot of the like late '80s, early '90s. Yeah, where there's I, yeah. just a huge flux of movies, and I would say probably after '96, '97, it starts to go down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, there's a solid ten years. Like I'd say '86 to like '96 yeah. is probably kind of that ten year. Ten year window, it's probably like eighty percent of our movies. <laughs> easily, oh, easily. Yeah. yeah, that's that's true. Um, okay, let's uh, let's talk about the cast of this movie. Uh, obviously, we got Bruce Willis returning as John McClane. Um, as we kind of talked about a little bit in the opening, Samuel L. Jackson as uh, Zeus. Which I got to say, this movie is like classic Samuel L. Jackson, right? Like this is what like what you think of like a Samuel L. Jackson performance as like. He, 
he yells and like it's but still pretty early in his career i mean pulp fiction was just one year prior so he didn't have many titles under his belt still i'd say it's close it's like sam jackson like just below Sam Jackson, like craziness. Like yeah, he, he's still he, holding it back a little bit. He's he's not a gimmick yet. Cause I feel like he's a yes. bit of a gimmick in movies nowadays. It's when he was li- really coming in to the idea of Samuel L. Jackson. Like before he had little supporting roles in like Patriot games and even Jurassic park. But this is when he was really Sam Jackson. How, you know? how do you, how do you feel about his quote? Hold on to your butts. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, mean, so I gotta say this movie is severely lacking in tush yeah <laughs> I mean, I was really, like, and there's opportunities for it because you see you know Jeremy <laughs> Irons show off them guns Chris Willis changing his pants but they keep it all above the waist <laughs> um, and then uh, Jeremy Irons as uh, Simon in this and that's where my knowledge of the cast ends so I will let all the other people on this episode who know all those character actors take yeah. over. There's Graham Greene. He's a famous American Indian actor. He was in Dances with Wolves. He shows up in a lot of stuff. Yep. Obviously, we brought off, was it Kevin Chamberlain is his name? Yep, who Kevin plays? Chamberlain. Yeah. And then, I mean, yeah, there's, there's other little character actors here and there. Um, they're like, oh, hey, I rec-, you know, that guy was insane. But nothing, it really is really a fairly tight cast. There's not a ton of characters, you know. Yeah, there's not really a lot, and the character actors they have are not anyone that really shows up in a lot of things. It's not like Tony Lung from the first one, who is the Asian Asian bad guy in everything. Well, yeah. they, isn't there that same cop in the first one that's in this movie as a New York cop as well? Uh, I mean, maybe they. I think yeah, Carl Winslow, because no. no, 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 no. There, there was a. I think there was a guy that was with like the SWAT group or, or or whatever when the police arrive in the first one, who's the guy who gets killed and has his badge stolen in this one. Oh, yeah, but he's playing there. different characters. Yeah, yeah. He's playing so I, I guess maybe, but I wouldn't even count him really as like a popular character actor. <laughs> Not the maid from Clue? <laughs> well... Is she in this? Yeah, yes. she was much hotter then in Clue than she is now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was she, the, was she the female detective? Yeah. Oh, okay. God, she is so fucking annoying in this movie. <laughs> she just she pushes that New York accent way too hard, and it just drives me nuts. Ugh. Oh, yeah, I did. I, there is one other. I believe one of his nephews is still acting as going to play Hawkman. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I can't think of that. Guy's Hodge. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Um, no, it's okay. definitely the Sam Jackson and Bruce Willis show. It's though, true, yeah, and, and yeah. with a little bit of Jeremy Irons. Although he doesn't show up in this movie till what, like an hour into it or something. That yeah. he finally, yeah. it's wild. And, and even when he's in it, he just he doesn't have that big of a role. It's kind of more just kind of him giving out demands more and more throughout the film. You know, he doesn't fight at the end. He acts very much like the brother in the first Die Hard, not as. Well, much going on. But according to the screenwriter, this like started life as a script called Simon Says. It was not a Die Hard movie, but when they and so like that was so originally was just a disembodied voice that would you know Simon says this, Simon says that. Did, but then when Under Siege came out, they had to scrap the original plans for Die Hard Three, which would be on cruise ships. They're like, okay, 
we'll put this together. Did you see, I'm sure somebody did, what this was originally designed as, like what the script was written as, as a sequel to the movie Rapid Fire starring Brandon Lee? Like that's what this is conceived wow. as, as Simon says. It was going to be a sequel to Rapid Fire and it was going to star Brandon Lee. Then they hit but, a little snag with that. Right, and then they reworked it into this. I, I think it also said that for a while this was considered that maybe they were going to turn it into some kind of like a lethal weapon movie too. Like, yeah, it's it's really it's really weird. Like, I feel like none well, of the die, none well, of the could, die. You could take this concept of Simon Says and apply it to an action movie. Well, I think it works well in how they fused in the first movie into it so no and i and i guess i was gonna say i don't think it's weird how they used it i'm just it's weird that like all the diehard movies like a lot of them are like based on other things like they're not like original ideas you know like yeah. the first movie was based Very on true. a book yeah. it, essentially none of the diehard movies are written to be that di- were originally written to be diehard movies they were just like okay we need to make another diehard movie what scripts do we have that we can change <laughs> except for the worst <laughs> diehard movies were written for diehard movies that's <laughs> true or, they the, were uh, written as they went along <laughs> like hey kevin smith you're on set today write some scenes you know um okay so let's do net worth <laughs> there's a lot of us but luckily i only have a few net worth so we should be able to buzz through it so we are going to start with Jeremy Irons. Uh, Tush, what do you think for Jeremy Irons? Um, he's got that sweet, sweet, worst Alfred uh, money. <laughs> so, um, I mean, yeah, he's been acting a long time, got some prominent roles. I'm going to say, when I was in Ireland, they're like, hey, Jeremy Irons owns that castle. Um, so I'm going to say he's worth $85 million. Okay. Uh, Chops? Well, I'm going to go with uh, $69 million. Oh, <laughs> you pervert. LPJ. LPJ. He's got that Watchmen money. Uh, I'm going. um, I got 75 million. All right, Uh, Sphinx. I'm gonna say 40 million. All right, Uh, Jody. Um, Well, I mean, he has that Lion King money from being Scar, (laughs) so I'm gonna say 41 million. Uh, Only 16 million dollars for Jeremy Irons. How's the only castle with 16 million? Yeah. Yeah, Dave overshot it. Dave ruined us. It's a small <laughs> castle. Yeah, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like you could really lay, you could stay under I mean, 85 sounded pretty pretty yeah. high for Jeremy Irons to me, but... What he I, meant, I, he, he'll, he'll work in anything. He was in Dungeons and Dragons. What he meant, uh, Jody, was he had one of those castles from Castle Risk, so it's not oh. like... It's not he said 85, and I was going to go with 15. He had a DVD set of Castle Season 3. <laughs> like... All right, next up, we're going to start with the Sphinx. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson. What do you think for Samuel L. Jackson? You know, just just like every time we've, you know, he's one we've done a while, uh, quite a few times. I'm going to say uh, 175. Uh, Jody, what do you think? Mm, I'm going to go with 120 million. He has all that Coach Carter money. I know you love that movie, Hovercraft, Joe. <laughs> Uh, what about you, LPJ? Let's get that deep blue sea money. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go... What did you say, Jody? 125? I said 120. 120. I'm going to say 120 and $1. Fuck you. <laughs> Chops? What do you think, You Chops? just did that to me! <laughs> it's cool when I do it. It's not cool when he does it. He's got a point. He's got that sweet, sweet snakes on a plane money. So <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, um, two hundred million. 
All right. Uh, and finally, uh, the tush. He's got that sweet, sweet changing lanes money. <laughs> and he is always acting. I'm going to agree. But I'm going to go 205 million. Ooh, better luck next time, Dave. <laughs> you said better luck next time. Actually, <laughs> Dave is probably the closest because he has $250 million. Oh, I mean, good for him. I, that was an all yeah. like Dave was right. But yeah, yeah good. why are you begrudging him his money? You hey, I'm not. You know you. what? Sam Jackson, you keep making that Capital One money. And yeah, then, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> and then finally, starting with uh, the tush, we got Bruce Willis. He's got that sweet, sweet G.I. Joe retaliation money. What do you think? He's got that sweet, sweet, like the last 10 of his movies have been straight to video. <laughs> I bet he still makes good money off those. Um, I'm going to say $300 million. Okay. Chops? I'm going to go 400 All right. LBJ? I know he doesn't even get out of bed for less than like three million anymore. Uh, so I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, two hundred seventy-five million. Okay, uh, Sphinx. I was gonna say two seventy-five, but I'll go down a little. I'm gonna say two fifty. Okay, and finally, Jody. Well, he has that money from Look Who's Talking, so <laughs> that was a he was a baby then. <laughs> So I'm going to go 276 million. Uh, 250 million. 250 million. So uh, the Sphinx, right on, right on the nose of that one. So, um, okay. Doesn't uh, he have a lot of divorces and other shit he's probably paying for? Who knows? He's only got the one, and she had her own money. So, you yeah. know. And apparently there's. It was to me more, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently they're still like on super yeah. good terms and they hang out. Yeah. He's got all that. He's got all that. He's got all that sweet, sweet, like, uh, whatever his uh, band or, like, musical album is. Legend Bruno or something? Yeah. yeah. Like, he has at least uh, two I dead wives, like, right, like... that are zombies? Wow. <laughs> Death of the really? of this... <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, this episode we are 20 minutes in and this episode is a train wreck we've achieved so little (laughs) yeah and we we had a discussion where it was like is there gonna be too many people i'm like who cares and you're like you know what you know how we'll know where we failed if death becomes her comes in (laughs) Uh, i've seen worse movies (laughs) okay you're talking (laughs) two uh, okay, okay, Joe, you were saying something. I was, I know, I was going to say the director of this movie is John McTiernan. Yep, back from the first one. That's director right. of the Thirteenth Warrior, and he didn't direct the second one because he was busy making uh, Hunt for the Red October. Correct. Hunt for the Red October. The Hunt for Red October. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, writer on this, Jonathan Hen- Henslow. Jonathan Henslow, director okay. of the pun of the uh, the Punisher, the Thomas Jane Punisher. Oh really? Yeah. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, he's married to. Um, uh, Neither did anybody else. Really? <laughs> he's married to uh, what's her name? Who used to be married to? <laughs> he used to be married to James Cameron. Uh, his his. Uh, 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 Linda Hamilton? No. Susie Amos. No, what? Susie Amos? Galen <laughs> Bigelow. <laughs> Oh, Catherine Bigelow? No, not Catherine Bigelow. Galen Hurd. Galen Hurd. <laughs> I was going to say, I like how we had 
to go through four of them. Yeah, we've been through all of his other ones. <laughs> He's been married a lot. No, Galen Heard. Joe, you didn't know that. That's why you lost Action Court. Which, by the way, the Thomas Jane Punisher unfairly... Uh, oh, Dumbercraft Joe, give that fucking movie up. Move on. No, I agree. <laughs> unfairly destroyed by... The, the only real knock is that it's in Tampa. Um, and then uh, music by our old dear friend, Michael Kamen, who yep. does music for, I feel like, every other movie that we cover on yeah, the Yeah, basically. Okay. So are you guys ready to tear through these taglines? Because there is a lot of them. <laughs> so Do here it. we go. Hold on, real quick, though. Is one of the taglines literally the title of the movie? Actually, no. No? Oh, okay. no. That's what I was expecting. Here we go. Taglines. When the theater goes dark, the roof blows off. Think <laughs> fast. Look alive. Die hard. Meh. Is that, a, a, is that a racist joke? I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> on a good day, he's a great cop. On a bad day, he's the best there is. That's actually not bad. Yeah. Okay, we'll this that. this one, McLean is back. All right. Uh, I, I can't. I can't believe this is actually one. This time, it's personal. <laughs> I really uh, like this next one. This next one is my favorite. It's boom time in the Big Apple. What? <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I, I actually kind of like this last one, too. John McClane is about to have a very bad day. Yeah. Again. It should say again. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it. But <laughs> and again. But, and again. Isn't that from uh, Tropic Thunder? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and again. <laughs> But, yeah, but seriously, yeah. though, boom boom time, though, in the Big Apple, that's probably my favorite. That could the also first one be a dark. porno parody. <laughs> boom time in the Big Apple. Uh, so those are all the taglines. Before we get into the plot and kind of walk through this, is there anything else that anyone wanted to mention? Or I wanted to mention one, one thing real quick, because it's this movie always reminds me of it and obviously we see shots of it as well but it reminds me of the 9-11 attacks and and i remember specifically as well when when 9-11 happened and there were still a whole bunch of question marks like what exactly is going on and who is responsible for it i specifically remember that like news the news networks were actually reaching out to john mctiernan (laughs) about this movie because of how well this stuff was acted because you know these are terrorist attacks in the city of new york like it it always stuck in my mind that like they were actually referencing die hard with a vengeance during actual events of 9-11 because it was at a time where we just didn't know or didn't understand anything that was going on and it's always something that's been etched in my brain. Do any of you ever remember that? Like, well, like John McTiernan so was interviewed by CNN. I remember seeing that. So Sphinx is on record as saying that this movie inspired the 9-11 attacks. <laughs> that's but, what also, pe- but that's what a lot of people thought. I don't remember McTiernan specifically, but I do remember that it was the same thing with that movie The Siege with Denzel Washington. And there's a lot of talk of that. And so, no, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. That, like, like, well, yeah. well, there was a... Um, because it's only six years later when you think well, about it. And, and I guess something to cover is there. there is kind of a big thing because this movie came out like 
exactly a month after the Oklahoma City bombing. So there was like a lot of, do we need to change this movie? Is it going to be insensitive to what happened? And all this other stuff. They ended up keeping the movie intact as is. But I, that was a big thing. They're like, can we release it with all these bombings in the city and well, stuff like that? And then they also referenced the first World Trade Center bombing, which I think was like 1993-ish or so, if I remember right. So Yeah, it was early on. And then do you think maybe that's what kept people away from seeing this in the theater? It could be, but I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't, I, I don't know. So... There is a thing, and this is a, this is a real thing that the government does call in screenwriters and authors and stuff like that, and have and they have them do think tanks of possible terrorist scenarios. Like uh, author Brad Thor was talking about, he's been brought in a couple times, and it, they they make a joke about it on South Park one time, but it really is something they do. They have think tanks of all these people who have like you know, oh ideas for movies, like hey, like what are these possible scenarios that you can think of? You know, like, kind of like a creative thinking exercise. So that is a real thing they do. So that's just uh, kind of worth mentioning. Is that a is that a is that a challenge, Dave? Are you like helping us? You want us I to mean, start a group? I mean, I think maybe like you know, like I actually had an idea like that, like not to carry an attack, but for like a story, like people whose hobby is that, like they go around, like you know, they, they're like, hey, Listen, let's think up the perfect crime. Dave, yeah. we talked about this the last time you were on. You need to tone it down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do I wonder though. Well, I do wonder, though, if maybe because of the sensitivity, they there was only so much they could advertise to the public. So maybe there just wasn't enough out there for people to to want to see it. I mean, Bruce Willis obviously was was a huge actor at the time, but maybe not. I don't know. I, I, I remember I remember there being a ton of ads for this. Well, was here, there? See, I don't remember. Here, here's what I'll say. Like, we covered it on the podcast. Die Hard 2 isn't a great movie, so maybe people were like, third Die Hard movie, like, I saw the second one, it was not that good. It was actually in a little bit of a dip at the time, though, too. This is a time of color of night, striking distance, you know? I mean, this is before he he had, you know, um, he was like a couple years off of Fifth Element. This was before Armageddon. Yeah, so he was in a little bit of a dip. He, he He had been bigger. Yeah. I think all that probably factors into this movie's uh, box office. Chaps? I do want to add that um, I I don't enjoy this movie as much as I used to because uh, in high school, um, (laughs) for a a marching band show, (laughs) one of our songs Mm. involved the ants go marching on or whatever the, the hell that march is. Johnny comes marching home. And... Playing it over and over and over again has like ruined the soundtrack to this movie for me to a point where like I I am like hesitant to watch it because this that song bothers me so much and the song is in there for like a solid fifteen minutes in there for too. A long like it time. does not go away yes. for a while and you were you were wish, wishing that you did a marching marching band show that revolved around hot town summer in the city heck yeah <laughs> why not. Um, I will say, since we're getting into it, this is one of my favorite starts to any movie, period. Yeah, I don't know why, but like when, when that song hits and when it's just showing like the average every day, what's going on in New York City, and then just boom, it just yeah. blows that department store. It's such a cool beginning. I don't you know. know what? It Let, always gets me. Then let's roll into it. That's a good place to start. Yeah, and that, that's exactly what Sphinx said. That's the start of the movie. You get the song, yeah. you get all the shots of New York, and then you, like, 
boom, you get the explosion. It's an it's an apartment department store it blows up. Uh, you get the police get a call from uh, the guy saying Simon, and he only wants to talk to uh, McLean, uh, who is currently suspended at the time. I don't know if we ever figure out why he's suspended. He just is. Um, they have to track him down. Uh, I do like that little bit uh, when he's in the when he's in the van, and he's like. Like the, the whole like running joke from the whole for the whole movie is that he's like hung over <laughs> the whole time. Like and that he looks like shit. He just seems yeah. Which yeah. which I'm sure they're using it to try and you know, because the first two movies he's just like an average Joe kind of guy, and I think it's just continuing to ramp up and remind us that, you know, he's just an average guy having a bad day, apparently suspended for who the hell knows what. Well, and it's kind of an interesting thing because, like, where we left in the second one, like, he had kind of, like, gotten back together with his wife and things seemed good. But then when we meet up with him in this one, it's, uh, things yeah. are bad for him, right? Triple in paradise. The yeah, lack of time. gratitude from Holly Gennaro. Like, apparently she's only into him for a short period of time after he saves her life, you know? Like, <laughs> does anyone, you know, like, does anyone know? Like, did well, she... Did she have a like? Did, did she decline being in she the movie? Did, yeah, yeah, she declined. She, did. she okay. declined. They asked her, uh, Bonnie Bedelia. They asked her to be in it. She declined. So, and this was like the last, the last time she was even mentioned, like on the phone in a Die Hard movie. She's gone in the rest of them. No, actually, I didn't see the last one. But still, see yeah, because isn't it, isn't it her, her, his daughter in one of the yeah. later? I haven't seen the most recent. The, one. I, saw I, think the, I think, the, I think the fourth one has his daughter, his and the fifth okay. one, which I've never seen, has his son. Yeah, Jay Courtney oh, plays his son. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so like he only wants to talk to McLean. He wants McLean to do this stuff. Um, and, and, and basically what we get for the first part of this movie, which is this other script that they adapted, is this Simon Says thing where he like calls and like you have to do these things that I want you to do and only John McLean can do them. And the first one is, is they drop him off in Harlem. He's wearing like one of those placard board like things. Sandwich not, board. Yeah. I'm not going yeah, to talk about. I'm not going to say what it says on it. Obviously, you've seen the movie, you know what it says. Uh, kind of controversial, but like especially controversial for walking around in Harlem. And he has him just walking around wearing it. Um, and that's when we're introduced to Samuel L. Jackson's character, Zeus. Um, he runs a electronics store. He's, ele- he's an electrician. Okay. I wasn't sure, like, if they really covered exactly. So he, like, just fixes stuff for people? Yeah, essentially. Essentially, it's what it is, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, (laughs) My note says, McLean wearing a sign that says something really bad. Um, So uh, Samuel Jackson saves him from these guys who are going to probably end up killing him. Uh, He looked like a friend of mine. (laughs) I love that line. (laughs) You know where he's from? Bellevue. (laughs) They they escape in that cab, and that's where you get the great scene where he keeps calling. He Samuel Jackson thinks his name is Hey Jesus. Jesus. Somebody (laughs) Jesus. So he keeps calling him Jesus, and he's like, he's like, he didn't say Hey Zeus. He said Hey. Zeus, and then he goes into that big thing about like lightning bolts and whatever. Like, I'm on Olympus. Don't mess with me. I shove my lightning bolt up your ass, Zeus. Yeah, I love, I love that. There's a like, lot oh. of shoving up the ass in this movie. <laughs> yes, there is. Everything's getting shoved up asses. <laughs> the Tush approves. <laughs> uh, how appropriate that we have the Tush and the Sphinx on the same episode. Um, <laughs> He's really at the center of it all. 
<laughs> um, so uh, they go back to the the police station and they found one of the bombs and they go into this big thing about how like oh this bomb is really cutting edge and it's got these two liquids and they have to combine in order for it to like explode and they make that whole big scene of where he like takes a little bit of each liquid and combines them and they like blow up the chair or whatever just to show how now, old it is. I, I've never seen this Jesse TV show, but I'm gonna say I love the bomb guy. The bomb oh, he's squad great. guy. Yeah, he's a funny actor in the movie. Because he plays he goes he bounces back and forth between being serious and actually trying to disarm bombs and yeah, yeah it's just is. a fun little interaction that he has. And then when he was it like a, a paper clip or whatever and he tosses it and it causes that big explosion. He's, he's, he's also ultimately one of the more heroic characters yeah. in the movie. Yeah. That is yeah, yeah, for sure. Eventually, yeah. yeah. Um so they get another call from Simon and he wants to talk to McLean and Zeus or the Samaritan as he calls them. Um I like I love the part where he's talking to the uh like the chief or whatever and he's talking about McLean and he says he's two steps shy of becoming a full blown alcoholic and McLean's like <laughs> Mouse like one, one step. step. <laughs> this is also the second time where Samuel L. Jackson goes, "You can stick your well laid plan up your well laid ass." <laughs> that he that he hangs up on him. <laughs> yeah, I like I like when they find McLean. He just happens to be wearing the iconic like tank top of the original movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, but then, like at this scene, they get him a shirt. Like they apparently just have shirts sitting around at the police station because they give him one. But he doesn't fully button it up. He kind of just puts it on over it. Um, and then he, they, they, the the uh, Jeremy Irons wants like Samuel L. Jackson to be part of it. Samuel L. Jackson is like, nah, I, I this is a like a white person problem. He doesn't want to deal with it. <laughs> so uh, Bruce Willis lies and is like, yeah, they found that bomb in Harlem. So, but they really found it in like Chinatown, Chinatown I yeah. think. Um, uh, and, and like the whole thing is like their dynamic, especially at the start is like, they're just kind of like arguing like a lot, but it, it like, I feel like it really works though. Right. Yeah. No, the, their chemistry oh, together is perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, and he keeps giving them like riddles to solve. Like that's the whole thing. Like the Simon says riddles. Um, uh, they, uh, he, he tells them there's a bomb, like, in this like trash can by him and then like they don't get the riddle right or whatever and then he's like oh i didn't say simon says i feel like they really lean into the simon says part of it for the first like hour or so of the movie well, like you can tell that was the script that they uh they're the script they yeah had. well what jonathan henslaw said was the first like 90 minutes of the movie is his script word for word with the exception of just they changed some names around you know just to make it match you know Bruce will make make it match John McClane versus whatever character they had. But he said that essentially the first 90 minutes is just his script for Simon says word for word. Joe, did you have something? I was going to say the same thing. Okay. So, so what relations does this have to the Dennis Rodman vehicle? Simon says S E Z. Uh, it's actually, that's, that's actually a reboot of this film. Okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, they went edgy and went with the S E Z instead. Yes. <laughs> Because it was the late 90s, and, you know, things were extreme then. Yeah, like spelling. Right. Uh, so so they he gives them another challenge. They have to get to the subway station. Uh, so they steal that cab from that guy, uh, and he drives through the park. There's a couple great stuff in there where, he, where, like, Samuel Jackson tells him that, not even God knows what you're doing, McLean. <laughs> Are you aiming for these people? <laughs> no, and he's like, well, maybe that mine. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was a lot like, 
you stole a car in Grand Theft Auto and you're just driving through the city. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what it reminded me of. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love when they're in the car and they're driving and uh, Samuel Jackson asks, he's like, how do Catholics do that thing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's really great. Um, I, that cab takes a beating, too, because he really runs over a lot of stuff and uh, they get stuck in a traffic jam and he has that like convenient thing. or not convenient, kind of clever thing where he, they, he calls and reports like a shooting with like a cop down. And so the ambulance comes out and they like basically follow behind the ambulance to get through the traffic. I, I will say that um, at the time, I don't remember when, but my brother had gotten the, the three DVDs director's cut or special edition set of this movie. And I vividly remember watching the all the special features for every single movie, including this one, and how, <laughs> and how they did all the traffic scenes and him like going through traffic. Um, uh, all that stuff is like burned into my memory for some reason. <laughs> Well, well Which, speaking of, it's probably why the budget was so high because they legit had to film in New York City, and it's yeah. one of the most expensive towns to film in. Yes, was it this yeah. DVD set? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so. as a matter of fact, yeah, that's probably it. Oh, I don't know. I have it. I can go get it right now. Keep talking. I'll be back. Um, okay, so uh, they get to the, the. They end up splitting up. Uh, McCain like lifts up the McCain. John McCain. McCain. You know, John McCain. Oh, okay. remember this movie is great. We start John McCain and George Bush. Yeah, uh, McLean. He ends up like j- lifting up that grate and just like jumping on top of the subway as it goes by. Which I'm like, do those grates just lift up like that? I mean, I don't know. I, I hope not. Just- <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be really bad if they just lifted up like that. Um, yeah, that yeah, that fun. Yeah, little- I feel like New Yorkers would totally try that all the time if oh, that yeah. would actually work, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, we, we can confirm uh, LPJ's copy of it is the same as the one that uh, Jody got. From yeah, the I have the, yeah, uh, the Die Hard Ultimate Edition uh, three DVD set. Each one is a double disc and uh, it's very shiny. It's like a it's like an early 90s comic book cover. Jody's is identical <laughs> except it has the library markings signifying that came from the place where homeless people go to sleep and poop. <laughs> well, Joe told me it's on Hulu, and I was like, "Just kidding, it's not." Just left. One day before I was going on vacation. <laughs> to be fair, it it was on Hulu. It was on my watch list. It was still on my watch list. So I'm like, "Time to watch it," and I click on it, and it wasn't there anymore. I'm like, "Take it off! Don't leave the icon there." I do like it though when he drops uh, McLean off at the subway, and then. The, the Wall Street guy hops in the cab. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and he's like, did you not hear me? He's like, he like says the addressing. He's like, what? You know, like white people? <laughs> yeah. That like is a like fun. today, that would be a total Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Like, what the fuck did you say to me? Like, you know, and, and that's one of the things that, that's one of the things that doesn't age well with this movie is that whole, for whatever reason, in the like middle to late nineties, they had this whole thing where it was Black people that had a problem with white people, and that's where the racist that's where racism was kind of coming from and it doesn't obviously it's it's you could tell this movie was written by a white person well and Absolutely. I will give it some credit in the fact that like it does kind of show kind of like the stuff he has to go through the thing about the cop pulls his gun on him for jumping the fair you know yeah. it does it, 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 it shows yeah. it, it shows that like you know. 
I don't think it shows that white people are blameless in this or anything. Like he definitely gets he gets he gets treated pretty poorly in the last scenes. Like you know. So oh I no, think, I agree. Yeah. I agree with you. And what I'm saying is like. You know, a, joke of it. a lot of it is yeah. like, oh, you got a problem with white people, you know, like, yeah. or Bruce Willis is like, well, I'm not the white person that's been holding you down. Well, no, but, you know, and obviously yeah. I can't speak for black people. I'm I'm a white guy. But my point is, this movie is subtly racist and doesn't even realize it. Uh, I agree that, there, that it was a common thing back then that you could just kind of flippantly bring it up for a second and think like, you know, it's like, it was kind of throwing it in there. It's like almost like a, a joke or just a little like element of the script and like not really address it too well, you know? Right. I, I do have to say the scene where he gets the gun pulled on him in the subway is, is way more dramatic than you think it's going to be when he hangs oh, yeah. up the phone and he just yells like, I have to answer the phone. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. I find it hilarious, but it is just super dramatic about answering a phone. Well, because Simon's like, you got to answer and this the phone. Let's him answer it too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because Simon's like, you got to get here and answer this phone at the subway station. McLean jumps on the train to find the bomb. Samuel L. Jackson gets there to answer the phone, and the cops trying to stop him from answering the phone, but he answers it anyways. McLean finds the bomb and he like throws it like off the back of the subway car. It explodes, and like the the car like still like. Subway car kind of like crashes into the station. It's a really cool kind of like yeah, it's very cool. turns sideways and like crashes into it. But they basically are able to stop it from kind of like some people get like they talk about people get like cuts and bruises, but no one dies. Yeah, and then having all the dust come up above the city street as well to kind of show that side yeah. of it too was good. Jody, one thing about this movie is there's so many payphones. <laughs> Have any of you ever received a call on a payphone? No, 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 no. I was like, is that something that can could happen? At oh, the yeah. Time? No, yeah, no, no. Yeah, on pay phones, on pay phones, it's an actual phone number in, yeah. in high yeah. school. I think it, it Franklin, I think there's been a, a maybe one time when like I've called home and they've I've either called a pay phone or someone's called the pay phone for a student or something like that. Like, I've made calls with the pay phone, but I've never received yeah, a call. Yeah, when you pick up the phone on the right underneath the, the prongs to hang the phone up is a white plate that has the phone number for that phone on it. I just figured you called 1 800 Paul Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I, I do like also throughout the film, there's a couple of good references of uh, beepers as well. So, yeah, well, late yeah. 90s or mid- middle to late 90s. <laughs> I do. I do have a note. I do have a note that says like, "Well, they got McLean a new shirt. Could they get Zeus a new shirt? Because he gets like, when they first introduce, he gets like cut by one of the like guys in Harlem, and for the rest of the movie, he's wearing that shirt with like the torn uh, sleeve from where he got cut. Yeah. Which even thinking about it more, sorry, not trying to like go too far off the rails on it, but this movie is like, I don't know how well you could recreate this today. You know, like with the use, the wide use of cell phones, you you don't have to jump from payphone to payphone to payphone like you have to do in the film. You know, yeah. like it would be very different to do today. And I wonder, like, younger people are, like, completely <laughs> confused by what's going on as well in this movie. Yeah. Like, why do they keep having to run to the phone? Can't he just pull it out of his pocket? It's like, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I mean, that's a good point. Um, so at this point, like, uh, McLean, uh, they... Him and uh, Samuel Jackson, they, they talk to, like, the FBI, and we learn, like, the big thing about the movie is that Simon 
is actually uh, Peter Creek, also known as Simon Peter Gruber, and he's Hans Gruber's brother. So, like, we're kind of introduced to him as, like, oh, this must be a whole thing where he wants revenge because you killed Hans, right? Um, and, like, it was really weird because then he calls in the van and, like, he knows all the FBI guys. Simon does. I didn't quite get that where he's like, oh, like, a Johnson is there and so-and-so. Like, I, he knows I his enemy. I didn't understand how he knew all the FBI guys. He knows, that he knows who's after him. He's been watching them. I will, I'll also say this time around, I kind of wish there was a little bit more mystery to who he was. You know, because it's literally up to this point. We have no idea who Simon is. Like, I do feel like if they would have held on to that information a little bit longer or released that it was Hans's brother as more like a climatic point, I wonder if that would have maybe played, you know, if the movie would have played off a little bit better. It, it just, it seemed like an odd placement to make that connection. Anyone else feel that way? It, it never bothered me before until this recent watching of it. Um, I, I don't 100% disagree with you because I feel like it would have been good if they, because we find out that he's Hans's brother before we ever see Jeremy Irons on the screen. Like, if they would have maybe introduced him and showed us some of what he was planning and then we found out, like, I do think maybe they could have handled it a little better. Yeah. Like, well, because do they... Is... Is Simon and John McClane, do they ever at any point really have a hand-to-hand fight? I can't remember now. No. no they no, never they, fight. They, they never, never fight they, it just basically, this team in the helicopter at one point, right? Yeah, and on the boat. And on the boat. And on the boat, yeah. That's right. it. That's the only time but that's they're it. ever together. So, like, you know, maybe they didn't really have the opportunity for that big reveal because there really was no f- true face-off with the good guy and the bad guy, like there is in the first movie and even the second movie. Could be. Yeah. They were trying to cram these characters into an already existing script and they couldn't figure <laughs> it out. So yeah. they were like, I don't know. Let's just say that it's Hans's brother. Um, so he tells them, he tells the FBI, he's like, Hey, listen, I put uh, 2,400 pounds of explosive in a school somewhere in New York. Uh, I, you can't don't if you evacuate the schools, I'm going to blow them up. But you can search them in order to find out what school it is. Like McLean and Zeus had to keep playing my game and following the clues that I set for them, right? Yep. Um, and they're like, don't use your radios because they might set off the bomb. So they have to run all the calls through 911. Uh, I have a note that says, what's with that guy at 911's uh, tie? He's like wearing it, but it's not tied at all. It's just around his neck. I don't know. I thought that was weird. It was also, not also, that lady in 911 says, yeah, right, and I'm going to marry Donald Trump. And uh, I, really did not <laughs> well. I, I, had a, I had a chuckle about that. Why one. is it every 90s New York City movie has to reference Donald Trump? Was it's, it like Home Alone 2? Home Alone 2, yeah. Right? One, like, of the, one of the reasons for that is that if they want to use Trump's properties, they had to put him in a cameo in the movie. That's a, that's a fact. If that was a deal he worked out. That's what's because he owned the plaza at the time. So that's why he was in Home Alone too. What a real shock there. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh, so anyway, so this is where we're introduced to Jeremy Irons, and we kind of find out that there's a bigger plan than just trying to mess with McLean. Uh, they stole a bunch of dump trucks, which is something that kind of comes up before. Uh, he pretends to be like a city engineer. Um, this is where I have a note. It literally says because they're bringing all the dump trucks in. I'm like, oh shit. This movie has a bridge layer in it. Yeah, for, I thought that too. <laughs> same thing. Which for anyone that's like a G.I. Joe fan, a fan of the cartoon and the toys, 
they had a bridge layer, which was one of the toys. And it's like, you don't see it in real life that often, but they have a bridge layer in this yeah, movie. Yeah, I so, forgot so it was th- a real thing. Yeah. This is a part of the plan that doesn't make sense, because okay. that's a crime scene that they had not been investigating yet, and they would not allow those things down there. Right? So, and and that, yeah. one, that one detective just totally buys the story, yeah. like, immediately? He's like, yeah, okay, you know. You guys got here so fast. It's like, yeah, wouldn't yeah. you be thinking, detective? Like, how did they get here so well, fast? Well, and it's not only that, but like, there's a whole procedure to it because if it is an explosion, they have to send somebody down there to investigate the ex- explosion to see if there are any other explosives that, or ordnance that hasn't exploded. You know, they got to do. They got to do forensic work to figure out if there was, you know, bomb residue, any kind of clues like that place would have been. I mean, look at 9-11. Look at how long. Obviously, there was a whole cleanup effort after the fact, but it was shut down for a long time just to kind of figure everything out. And and again, we're talking Wall Street, where there is obviously because of the film money and gold and all sorts of assets everywhere like you can't just leave everything completely <laughs> is open. It, is it true that there's that much gold there? Yes. Well, yeah, because that, that's, we, that's what we learn is that this whole plan is actually they set off the bomb in the subway because they want to get access to the Federal Reserve that's down there that has $140 billion in gold, which they say is 10 times what's in Fort Knox. So all of it was just like a plan for them to be able to get access to the Federal Reserve, and all the stuff with John McClain, we find is basically in the schools is just to get the cops not not at the Federal Reserve, to get them all over the city, like, looking for the bomb and going to all these schools so they can get access and steal this gold. Yeah. Which, uh, Sphinx, you've been to that Federal Reserve, have you not? Yes. Yeah, I mean, granted, Please elaborate we're, more. In a, yeah, I mean, we're in a post... <laughs> we're in a post-9-11 world... Like, going to the Federal Reserve is like going through airport security. It's extremely intense. Now, at the time of the movie, it may have been that... A fat security guard with a shotgun? Yeah, it might have been pretty loose. (laughs) 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 But also, with the gold deposit, there probably still are going to be a fucking hell of a lot of people there. Um... He you said, damn it, you're saying we're going to lock him up in the Federal Reserve. <laughs> um, so, like, they send McLean and uh, Zeus to, like, this park to solve this riddle about, like, this amount of water and stuff. Which, by the way, if you look on IMDb, there's so many, like, paragraphs about, like, this water problem. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, they solve it. They figure it out. They get the right amount of water on there. And they shut the bomb down, right? Like, Yes. <laughs> is the argument but hold on, I want to know is the argument in IMDB that it still wouldn't have worked the way that they did it no no no, no. it's that there's multiple oh, ways to do it yeah I don't know oh, I, okay. skim, I skimmed over ways. all of it because it seems super boring I'm like I'm over this escape room bullshit <laughs> I like uh, and I have a note that says oh that loud mouth do you like how angry they get at each other though because like McLean's like throwing the jug at one point <laughs> It's really funny. It is really funny. I didn't Jackson say, just leave it there or throw the bomb. He's like, just throw it. Just get rid of it. He's like, can't leave it in a park. So uh, I have a note. My next note says, man, that loudmouth kid really helped McLean figure out what's going on. Because <laughs> there's these kids and they're like stealing this stuff from a bodega and they like stop him. And he's like, 
it's like no cops within five miles. It's like Christmas Eve, or I don't know what he says, something like that. And He's then McClane, like, thank you, Italian American stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> You've saved the day. Because like McLean gets this look in his eye, and they like zoom in on him, and you're like, oh, and the music, the yeah, yeah. music kicks in. Da-dum. So they go back to the Federal Reserve, uh, and uh, this is where his buddy, because like earlier, there's a little thing in the movie where they talk about, oh, I always play my badge number for the lotto tickets. So he notices this guy is wearing the the cop's like badge with the same number on it. Um, I like that little scene in the elevator. It, it's gross, but where he like kills all the guys, yeah. like in that short, like in that small elevator, uh, but he shoots them all. And that's you know, like an hour into the first people he kills in the movie. And you, you know, you really yeah. get a sense like it, it, that part's really good because you get a sense that he doesn't know if he's going to make it out. Like, yeah, you, you really get that feeling that he has no idea if he's going to be able to survive this, but this is what he's got to do. Yeah, and this, I will say, and this movie does, like, throughout the whole course of it, like, John McClane gets beat up bad in this movie and hurt bad, and he looks, like, worse for the wear. Like, they don't, this is not one of those movies where you're like, oh, he seems fine. Like, it was, like, scenes where he's, like, literally just, like, blood, like, pouring from his arms and stuff while he's walking around. But I feel like that's always been Bruce Willis' thing, where he's the most human of all the action stars, you know? Yep. Did you notice too? This is something I caught up, caught this time around. So at the same time that this is all going on, you know, Samuel Jack Zeus gives the bomb to the the cops and aren't real cops. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, okay, I'll take it. I'll take it right away." And I feel like Samuel Jackson should have been a little bit more like, "Wait a minute," because did you notice the car that they drive off in isn't even a cop car? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's just a regular that. like <laughs> sedan. It's like. Okay. You saw the grown-up versions of Team Iceland for my ducks. Like, Here, take my bomb. They yeah. were very Germanic. <laughs> and, it, you know, and he didn't hear them speaking German? Yeah. Right? There was well, that people too. in New York can't speak German? Yeah, white people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they steal a car and they go looking for the dump trucks because they figure out the gold's in the dump trucks. Um, I like that little bit where Samuel Jackson takes the gold bar and he's like, they, they, and, but then they have to steal another car to get the cell phone. So he's, he's like, oh, he's going to be mad. And he's like, ah, oh, he'll be fine once he looks in the back seat because that's where the gold bar was. Um, and I, I do yeah, have damn, to have, that was my gold bar. I do have to have a little bit of a laugh about like when he uses a cell phone and it's like an old cell phone. It's like car phone. Yeah. So it's like gigantic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and so at this point, Simon calls in the radio, like a radio show and tells him about like, he's like pretends to be like an average citizen, but talking about like the bomb in the school. So he basically creates like this panic where 911 getting like flooded and they can't like route their calls through 911. I think that's the bit where the lady's like, everyone in the city just called 911 or whatever, something like that. Yeah, because he realizes that John McClane has kind of figured it out, so he's hoping that he can't communicate with the police department to try and stop them, right? Because I believe he tried to, Jeremy Irons tried to call the group that was at the Fed, and when they didn't answer back, he, he noticed yeah. something, yeah. he realized something was off. Are, are we at the baseball scene yet, or no? No, no we're, we're almost we're, there. We're almost there. Almost. So they. I have they a follow, big problem with that scene. They follow the dump trucks. <laughs> uh, they're, they're taking him through this aqueduct with all the gold in it. So he, they send Samuel with Jackson. With Jerry. They send Samuel Jackson uh, <laughs> off to Yankee Stadium, which is where they're supposed to go. And he goes with Jerry, who knows a lot about the tunnel and also knows who the 21st president is, which, by the way, I didn't Just know that. Answer. But the tush, I feel like you knew that. Um, I, like, I'm like, 
I was like between him and a couple others where like I had to, I was trying to do the math in my head, so I wasn't positive. That was so, clearly, you know, he was one so of the like, three options. He's in the tunnel with Jerry, and like uh, Chop said, Zeus goes to Yankee Stadium. Uh, what do you want to say about the Yankee Stadium bit here? Like, Josh? why? Why not just shoot him? <laughs> like, I like. There's no reason to let him leave there at all. My issue too is that he puts in all of this work and effort for all these other little games. Yeah, and this was just uh, there's a seat and there's a little baseball thing, and it just says. Game over. <laughs> like really, that's how you. That's really how you were gonna end this entire little. Yeah, you know, this scavenger hunt is just gonna be game over, and you're gonna cap him in the fucking head. Yeah, I like, thought that was just something a little bit more. Yeah, it's, it just like ran out of like creative ideas. Like I guess. I <laughs> yeah, it's exactly it's stupid. And he yeah. knew he knew where they were gonna be at all yeah. times. Basically, he could have right. shot them at yeah. any point. Yeah. You know, you know what it is. Sometimes you have a great idea and it starts off like with a lot of momentum, and then you're like at the end, you're like, I don't know how to finish this. So I mean, like, you're like probably a six person podcast. Yep. <laughs> like when you're trying to set that uh, inflatable globe on fire. Yes, <laughs> like that. Um, also, this is where I have a note that says, like, I know that they established that Simon has migraines, but the, like they constantly have him just like popping like aspirin like the whole movie. I'm like, which what does what is that? What is the plot point of that, anyways? That yeah, does nothing. That, well, yeah, he does. There's all the time the too. Well, it's so it's so yeah. He gives McLean the bottle, and then that has the address, and that allows yeah. McLean Which to find every it. truck stop I've ever been uh, to prints their address. And all yeah, that no, there are no bottle has their address on it. <laughs> if you go to a Loves, they do. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, so McLean's in the aqueduct. They end up blowing the tunnel and like flying it, and he surfs the water oh, with a well, truck. For- First of all, he gets that dump truck to turn around like it's a Fast and Furious no. car. He like whips it around, and you're right. And I, I do have a note chop that says, "Not a huge, not a huge fan of when he surfs on the dump truck." Yeah, right. Like, who's driving the fucking truck that the water? allows that to happen? The, the water's driving the uh, truck. I think it's I think it's Poseidon is driving. The <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly who it is. And that I feel like when he holds on to the bars. The strength of that water <laughs> yeah. would be so powerful and rip his damn arms off it's true. is what it's it really would do. True. If it's I... strong enough to move a semi-truck, <laughs> I'm sorry. Hold on, it's... a semi-truck full of gold, right? It's, it's strong enough <laughs> to rip his arms free from a, a metal grate. Well, yeah. then, so then he, he's climbing up this, like, pipe to get out, and the water goes in and shoots him out, and, like, just as Samuel Jackson happens to be driving by <laughs> and sees him flying through the air, which I'm like, oh, that's, uh, that's convenient. It was good timing. Great timing. Yeah, really good timing. Uh, meanwhile, while this is going on, they find the bomb in the Chester AR at their school, and it's, like, in a freezer. It looks huge. Um, I do really like uh, the... It, it, the car chase in this. I like the car chase scene, like when the guys are chasing him in the truck, yeah, and like they're in that car. Like I really like that car chase scene when yeah. he like he like whips it around and he like faces him and he shoots him. Like I, I don't know, I really like that. It's one of my favorite action sequences. They, in this movie. they have solid car, car car chase scenes with practical effects, and they look really good. Yeah, but I do have a note that says how many clips did McLean carry with him because he's like reloading that gun quite a bit uh, in this movie. Um, uh, so, uh, they, they figure out that they, all these dead guys that they killed have, keep having like this amount of quarters on them and they figure out it's the toll to pay to get across this bridge. So they go and they find that they loaded all the stuff onto a boat and that's when they like, 
they they like slide they there's a cable on the front of the truck and they hook it to this boat and then they like slide down the cable onto the boat i don't know it's kind of cool a steel a steel cable (laughs) that would like incinerate you you know like you can't you know they're just casually walking down it no sphinx it it wouldn't it would fillet them (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, it well because like it, your hands. which it because, does to the bad guy, but it well, doesn't to know, them. I do like the part where it that rips was the cool. truck. It rips off the truck off the bridge and it comes flying down, and it literally cuts that one bad guy in half. That is what would happen too. Like that was yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Like, tree out of my backyard. Oh. My dad's like, no, you have to stand like a hundred feet away because this breaks. It will cut you in half. Yep. You know. So uh, they're on the boat. They're kind of looking around. Simon uh, catches Zeus. He shoots him in the leg. Um, uh, has, has he? Which I do. I like that scene too because he's he like he wants to shoot him, you know. And McLean, bad on McLean to show Samuel L. Jackson how to use a gun when he didn't really show him how to use a gun. Yeah, so that's what's funny about it. Is, we also you know, he just he just pulls it right from his hand and then just shoots him. <laughs> we skipped past um, the whole plot of Katya and <laughs> the, his thugs, Simon's thugs. This serial killer face lady <laughs> just like slitting throats, uh, getting real personal with her kills, and uh, is probably my least favorite character in this whole movie. Yeah, well, I don't think does she have a single word in this movie? I don't think she talked. No, no. no there's a yeah, there's no. a whole subplot we didn't even talk about where I think I think Simon was actually hired by the other guy to do this job to get the gold because they were going to supply the gold was to supply the army with funds so they could start their own army. Um, but then Simon double crosses the guy that hired him and Katya is the person that ends up shooting the guy that hired them both. Yeah. Right. The well, guy who hired, the guy was married hired them, to him, isn't he? The, well, yeah. no, the guy who hired, the guy who like hired him yeah, to with them wanted to blow the gold up to ruin the economy. Yes. You know, and like have it all go, and then he's like, no, which is not they, they were, they were not all how economics hired. works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're, they're all hired by the Palestinians or something who don't have that much money. I don't know. And, I mean, like, you know, if you like, blow up gold, like then no one can use it. Th- this movie that's understands not, what money is not backed by gold hasn't this, been forever. Like it doesn't make any sense that that's this, yeah. Like, this movie understands economics as well as the Dark Knight Rises does when Bane steals but, all that money and they're like, I guess you're screwed, Bruce Wayne. <laughs> well, like, basically, they took the idea from Goldfinger, which was to irradiate all of... But back then, it was on the gold standard. So, you know... Uh, Chop, Chops, by the way, to your point, I do have a note I forgot to mention earlier that says, who is this lady? Why is she such a creep? Yeah. <laughs> like, even her IMDb picture <laughs> bothers me. Her what her picture? Her IMDb her picture. Yeah, her, her IMDb in my pants looking at her face on this IMDb. <laughs> it's it's scary. It's like, a, it's like a mannequin with skin. It's so weird. Um, so anyways, so uh, they uh, – uh, there's this whole, like, subplot where they were introduced to, like – Zeus's like nephews earlier in the movie and there's this whole dumb bit where like they evacuate the school they happen to be at the school where the bomb is but like they don't leave and like they're still in there and like I don't know why that's in the, the oh that's because he tells them that you don't trust white people in the beginning of the movie and what do they do they don't trust the white people well no I thought it's because they were afraid they were getting trouble for, for helping that guy like try to fence the radio yeah so the kids were just afraid that like you know 
that that radio it was all about that radio that they were trying to sell for that guy at the beginning like, they're afraid like oh they're all here for us you know so no you i mean and i get that i'm just like i don't think it needs to be part of the movie <laughs> just to add to the stakes like it yeah. wasn't necessarily personal with samuel L. jackson before but this time it's personal yeah. All right. So here's another question. Using the tagline. So Thank the you. so Simon picked that school because he figured out that Sam Jackson's nephews were in it, right? Right. Presumably I he had know. the bomb already ready to go. He would have yeah, had to. It was the smart. He said that the it was that refrigerator was delivered this morning. Yeah. Before I would assume all this other stuff has gone on. Yeah. So. How would he have known? He wouldn't have. He wouldn't have. <laughs> it's a huge, yeah, it's a huge miss. So, um, and, and like uh, like Tush said, like the, the big plot is supposedly they're going to blow up this gold and ruin the uh, world's economy. But what uh, the, the guy that's not Jeremy Irons finds out is that, like, the gold's not on the ship. They're just, like, it, Simon took it, and he's trying to double-cross him. Uh, they catch McClane and uh, Zeus, and they strap him to the big bomb. Well, right before that, though, there's a, a, a fight scene very reminiscent of Lethal Weapon 2, where they're oh. in the bowels of a ship yeah. fighting, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, well, I also wrote down, this is uh, Bruce Willis fighting a German again. You know, there's <laughs> the German sidekick, like he does in the first Die Hard. Which that's is weird, because he was born in Germany. Oh, well. Uh, Not a U.S. I, military base. But, yeah. uh, I, they they end up getting getting off the ship. They they get out of the bomb right before it blows up. I'd say that like looks super painful when he pulls that giant metal splinter oh, out yeah. of his shoulder. So they just I don't think it looks painful. I think it's fine. He pulls it out with his teeth. I know, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, so gross. So then, like the big thing is that he like we talked about before. He figures out that Simon is in Canada. Be based on the uh, uh, bottle, bottle, the aspirin bottle, he throws them. Uh, so they go to catch him. For some reason, Samuel Jackson is still with them. I don't know why he's still with them. Can, can I can, just to back up real quick? Does does it didn't it seem like once the boat blew up that everyone kind of had given up on trying to track this gold down, and it was yeah. just because it was on the bottle. Like, wouldn't it have been safe to guess at least? To watch the international border of Canada directly north from New York City, but instead, yeah, like wouldn't you? Wouldn't it still be relatively easy to maybe get an idea of where this fourteen dump trucks of gold could be? But instead, they act like like we lost. Actually, I think is what Samuel L. Jackson says. Right? He's like, we lost. It's over. It's like. Why are we giving up already? Like also, everybody, the shockwave from that explosion would have killed them. Like they're jumping <laughs> off the boat as it's exploding, and you see the shockwave, you know, CGI'd in, yeah. and it's also, like, oh no, they would be dead. You know, this, is, this maybe is a dumb question, but like, can you blow up gold, or would it just be on the bottom of the? Yeah, it would just sink down into yeah, the ocean. Yeah. Sink. They, they said it was just gonna sink, and they had people trolling out there and for stuff like that. But also, it. The way the explosion, like the way they showed it, stuff would have been flying everywhere. You know? <laughs> did, yeah. we, did we talk about like the reveal on the boat 
how like they made it feel like it was like nobody noticed there was a giant bomb strapped <laughs> super high above this boat, but like it's pretty obvious there's a giant bomb strapped on that boat, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, and we skipped over the fact that it was a fake bomb in the school. We didn't. Oh, that's true. Oh, they yeah. find out, and he's like, "Ooh, it's pancakes are up." Yeah, so it's they're, a, they're like, "We're we're soldiers, not murderers," you know, or something. Or um, I, I I like the part where they just show Simon and his men in Canada, and they're just partying and having a good time because they yep. think they pull everything off. They're drinking champagne. champagne. They're like, yes. Why does Simon go have angry, gross sex with that silently? (laughs) (laughs) Why does? Yeah, real quick. Why does Simon stutter? Was that something else that didn't get referenced? That was maybe in some other earlier part. Yeah, I might maybe it's in like another cut, but he only did it like twice, and it was supposed to be them him like trying to reveal like a flaw or a tell to them, but it was it was all. It was all fake. Like, and the, yeah, they really only did it the one, the two times. Yeah, and it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't ever like utilized for any sort of plot point no. or like trying to make a my, connection. Like, I feel like something was missing there. My guess is it's probably a leftover from the original script. That yeah. it was something that they just cut at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, yeah, it is kind of in there, but doesn't really make sense. So, anyways, uh, they show up in Canada with a bunch of cops. Um. Uh. They they have like a helicopter chase. I guess. For yeah. A while. Like a legit like a helicopter, helicopter chase. chase. It's not. Re- I don't know. It didn't feel like a chase to me. It felt like he was just like going in circles. <laughs> I even remember <laughs> the, uh, watching this. Parking out of a hotel. Yeah, I did not like this climax. I thought like it, it was, was super uneventful. Well, like, yeah, be- because they end up having to land their helicopter and like Simon circles around to like kill them and like he's right by the big sign and like McLean like shoots I guess the wire this, holding the sign. Snub nose thirty eight. <laughs> he would not be able to make that shot. No. Like so, the thing like and, and a lot of the other movies they already show him using like a nine millimeter beretta and it's like and, and that might be possible. He has a snub nose thirty eight. That's like an up close if it's further than like ten feet away it's not gonna be accurate. And, and and wouldn't that cable be so damn thick that even a bullet probably still couldn't like detach it from that too? Oh, like, that's also, probably true. also I would argue what would it do to the helicopter, really? Well, he's just, in the end, I don't think they did anything. I think they I, just got scared by yeah. the bright sparks and like ended up running it into the pole themselves. Yeah, right. The the, the cable <laughs> did not hit the helicopter. The right? cable would no. do nothing. It's not what caused the crash. No, exactly. It was just him freaking out that caused the yeah. crash, so, I guess. So, that, so the helicopter crashes, and then like I feel like just like obligatory, like he has to say the yippee ki motherfucker yeah. line. Like, I feel like it doesn't even fit where he says it, because no. like, Simon's already dead. He already made the shot, and then he just says it, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, it's, it's like a half-dead McLean shooting a wire is not climatic <laughs> at the end of a Die Hard movie. I do feel like that they had this whole script for Simon Says, and they're like, it's great, it's great, and then they're like, Oh, we gotta finish it. And they're like, Ugh. did you see, did you see any of the stuff about like the original ending of this movie? No, it's like no, the original. Explain. The original ending is like insane, and I'm just trying to remember it. I read it like right before we recorded, so I, but it was like it had to do with like um, Simon got away and he was in Germany, and like they melted all the gold down and the like statues, and McLean tracked him down, and they played this game of like Simon says with a rocket launcher, and like they didn't know which way the rocket launcher was gonna fire, and then it ended up like blowing up Simon. That was like literally the original end of the movie. I think they might have even shot it, and then they were like, no, this this ending makes him see it is too dark. 
you have to think of a different ending. So. I was going to say, if, if they actually shot it, that's another place where that $90 million went, because that sounds they, expensive. I think they actually did, from what I read. But but that's not how the movie ends. The movie ends with the helicopter blowing up. Him and Samuel L. Jackson kind of, like, you know, they're buddies now, and, like, uh, that's it. That's the end of it. We've reached the end of the movie. Oh, yeah. Yay. Yay. <laughs> yeah. That, that, yes. I have thoughts on this movie. Okay. Um, do you have yeah. any uh, role reversals? Yeah, I have a couple. Um, let me pull them up real quick. So initially, the role of Zeus was offered to Lawrence Fishburne, and he turned it down. Um, and I think ultimately it worked out perfectly fine for both him and Sam Jackson. He would go on to do Matrix. Uh, Sam Jackson obviously got this. Um and then the other one I found was... He went on to do The Matrix four years later. Four years later, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he did, like, Bad Company the time he would have done this, so it didn't work out that well for him then, you know? Fair enough. He's going to do an Ellen Barkin movie. Uh, the other role reversal I had was Jeremy Irons. Um, Jer- well, two. Jeremy Irons replaced David Thewlis. David Thewlis was, if you saw um, the Harry Potter movies, he was Lupin in the Harry Potter movies. Yeah, he's in a lot. He's an English character. English actor. character, uh, which is weird though, because he seemed. It seems like he would have been really young at the yeah. time to yeah. do this. Uh, well, he had just done Lionheart with Dennis Quaid, not Lionheart, Dragonheart. And oh, he was right. Really young, yeah. Uh, Speaking of dragon movies, remember when Jeremy Irons was an Aragon? Yeah, that was great. <laughs> wow. And Dungeons and Dragons. So originally, McTiernan had asked uh, Sean Connery to be in this. As uh, as Simon, and he turned it down because he didn't want to be such a diabolical villain. So, can you imagine like, Sean Connery in this? That's as how he Simon? died. He's like, I'm gonna save that for uh, the Avengers. Doesn't he end up kind of being the in the Rock, which is he's kind of bad guy, sort of not. Just a year later, I guess. No, not at all. No. He's not a bad guy in the rock. He's like a thief, criminal type. Have you guy have you seen the rock? Yeah. <laughs> we did the episode. I know, that's why I'm saying, have you seen it? Do you remember? Yeah, he's not even at all diabolical. He's um, not diabolical, but well, yeah. here's here's the here's the thing that I want to mention, kind of like a role reversal was interesting. Did you see that? Like what? They said that uh John McTiernan uh declined uh directing Batman Forever to make this film. Yeah. Can you imagine the world that we live in where John McTiernan makes Batman Forever and not Joel Schumacher? Like, what is Batman Forever with John McTiernan directing? I feel like that could have been amazing. Like, a gritty... Yeah. You know, like, probably... I mean, I mean it might be one of those hindsight things, but Val Kilmer claimed they pitched it to him as being like a Batman The Dark Knight Returns or Year One, like that kind of grit. But then Schumacher came on board and it was like, okay, nipples, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I was going to say, it'd be less bat nipples. That's, yeah. Well, I mean, not just that, but like, awesome. Schumacher's the one who's responsible for adding, like, all of the, um, uh, like, blacklight reflective paint and all that other stuff in, in Forever and the, and the Batman after that. Um, so, yeah, he's the one who really kind of directed, kind of, he ruined it. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. I, I know Listen, it's not a- we also might be giving John McTiernan a little bit too much credit. Maybe. Too. That's fair. Like, I don't, don't know like if he would have blocks. saved or turned. Yeah. <laughs> well, Batman but, Forever still could have been a disaster with McTiernan. I, I know own. it's not a one for one, but let's imagine we live in a world where John McTiernan directed Batman Forever and Joel Schumacher directed Die Hard. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Oh, my God. <laughs> I want to see, see that alternate reality. You know, you know it's not happening in the Joel Schumacher uh, Die Hard? Bruce Willis is not getting a shirt. 
<laughs> also, um, I mean, you know, George Schumacher doesn't have a great record. Actually, wait a minute, no, because he did work with Samuel. Because didn't Schumacher direct a Time to Kill? Uh, maybe. Oh, maybe. Yeah. yeah, so he worked with Samuel Jackson before, so. Oh, maybe when he's not being weird in superhero movies, he makes good movies. Maybe. Did you, did you see that they said that, like, after this movie came out, the writer was detained by the FBI because they're like, you know a little too much about the Federal Reserve. Yeah. <laughs> so like they, I said, and that's probably why it had some 9-11 connections when that all happened, too. Uh, so, kind of before uh, we get into, obviously, our, our ratings on this, does anyone have anything we didn't cover or thoughts or anything in their in their... There, uh, Jody. I see you looking at your notes. You have something that we didn't bring up. Uh, I think the weirdest fact that I saw was this movie was on TV on March fifteenth, two thousand sixteen, the same night that Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton both won multiple presidential primaries, and they're both mentioned in this movie. I did. That's the that. weirdest oh, yeah. fact ever. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a very, that is a very weird fact. Uh, that is that is that is. That is bizarre. Well, and the way that they mention Hillary Clinton, too, is that, oh, she's going to be the 42nd president. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, that's Did weird. you guys see what the original script was turned into? Like, the, the, they originally wanted Die Hard 3 to be. Oh, yeah, Under Siege. No, the one, like, on a cruise ship, and it turned into Speed 2, I read. Oh, oh yes, that's uh, right. Uh, Yes, they speed. repurposed it for Speed, speed 2. Speed 2 Cruise Control. Yeah. How about that? Um, yeah. uh, there's a sequel we haven't done yet, LPJ. Let's go. <laughs> Willem Dafoe has blood poisoning. No, I'm good. We're, we're good. Um, so we, we ready to rate this? Let's rate it. Jody, do the machine gun. Nope. <laughs> I was enjoying it. It's cool. I got the noise. It's, it's already in there. All right. Uh, so what about the jazz machine gun. What is happening in the show? I will say for for the guests that we have and how many, I feel like we've been pretty on the rails for this whole episode. Mostly kept myself in check. Yeah. All right. Who wants to go first? The Tush. Okay. Okay. So it's weird. This is not as good as I remember it being. I like, and the th- though I'd still rate it the second best Die Hard. I would, I mean, you know, there's definitely some issues with it. Like I said, the climax is pretty unsatisfying. There's some, there's some logic issues, some like you know, not aging well issues. I'm gonna give it a even three machine guns. Okay, chops. Yeah, I have to agree with the tush on this one. I'm, I'm giving it. Uh... <laughs> Uh, three extra strength Tylenol migraines out of five. <laughs> uh, Jody. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I think this is three payphones. <laughs> uh, what about you, Sphinx? What do you got for us? I, I honestly, yeah, I Tush has it right. I, <laughs> I loved this movie as a kid and it was on TV a ton and I would always watch it. Like it was always one of those great films to have on in the background while you're doing stuff. But, like, actually sitting down and paying attention and watching it, I got a lot of issues with this movie. And it's just, it was more disappointing than I remember. Now, Die Hard 2 drove me nuts, (laughs) like how crazy it was. So I do also agree that it's, this is still my second favorite Die Hard movie. But I had it rated a lot higher than I, I thought it really was. 
So I will still, I'm not going to go with the, the three, but I'll say it's uh, three and a half bars of Federal Reserve New York gold. <laughs> uh, LBJ. Okay. Here's my take on this. And it oh. might be a little bit of a hot take. I'm going to oh, go, take. maybe a little bit. I'm going to go on a limb and say this is not really a Die Hard movie. And the re- reason why I'm going to say this is the heart of the Die Hard movies, the first two specifically, are it's John McClane, the everyman against everyone else. Essentially, in this film, at no point does he go up against the bad guys other than like, you know, he happens to run into them. But really, the whole movie is just a big wild goose chase with the police. And he's just kind of shot from place to place to place. He's never really in that claustrophobic environment that the first one and the second one had that really puts the every man, you know, against the bad guys theme in place. So it never really it never really turns into a real diehard movie the way people think of diehard. Um and that's actually one of the reasons why I like this movie less than the second one is because the first two movies feel like they feel like they have a very similar feel to them. It's very claustrophobic. It's contained within a very small area and it's John McClane against the bad guys. And you don't know who's going to win. You know, you don't know if this one man can take out this army and save the day. And he just happens to be there. And that's just because it's in his nature. He has to help out this one. He's drawn into the battle. He's forced to participate in this. It takes place over a sprawling city. And at no point does he ever really get into a fight with Simon. There's no real fight between the two of them. So in my mind, it's not really a diehard movie. Um, I still think it's enjoyable. I I will still give this a three and a half uh, because I think it's a good movie. But I think the other two diehard movies are much better. Chops, you look like you have something you want to add. <laughs> to that point, uh, yeah, like, they win, technically, at the end. Like, the other movies, he's hindering their their plan that is already in place. Like, he's not even part of the equation, and they have to adjust around him. Whereas in this movie, the plan was made to have him involved, and they do win in the end. Other Like, uh, like if, the, if he didn't look at the pill bottle... They literally would have won. It's sheer and, dumb and, luck. And, and, yeah, yeah, so, it's, so sheer it's, not, dumb luck. it's not like um, he overcomes something and gets to the final stopping point for the villain. So, like, yeah, to, to LPJ's point, it, it is not a diehard movie, in my opinion. It's not at Well, all. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's very evident that this is a script like it is, like it actually is. It's a script for a different movie that they refitted for a diehard movie and that they weren't sure how to end after they got done with whatever the plot of that movie was. I will say, I do want to say one thing before I get my rating. LBJ says that the second diehard movie is very contained, except for that snowmobile, snowmobile chase in the no, middle of it. That's yeah. fine. But still, but still the snowmobile chase only takes place over maybe a couple miles at most. And it comes right back to the airport. They don't ever really leave the airport grounds. They're always on that airport. Here, there's no home place for them to go. They're, they change countries. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, and and, and I, I kind of agree with what everyone's saying about this. It, it's I, I In my mind, before I rewatch this, I was like, this movie is almost as good as the original. Like, that was, like, in my head. I was like... But then rewatching it, you're right. It Like, I, I feel like it has... A, I like the premise, and it starts up very strong... But then it, it meanders. Like once you get to the boat, and then it's like 
the whole ending in Canada, like it just doesn't work. It doesn't hold up. Like all the stuff with Samuel Jackson and him running around the city is a lot of fun and works really well, but it, it, it just, it doesn't know what to do with itself at the end. So I, uh, this is tough for me because I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm in between, like, I wish I could give like 3.25 machine guns because I really am kind of torn on this. But I, I do like the beginning of it enough to give it three and a half. Uh, I think just because I really do love that first like hour of the movie before we kind of get into the, the third act where it doesn't know what to do with itself. But it's still a lot of fun, but not as good as I remember it being. Yeah, I, I would still rank it above Die Hard 2, in my opinion, just because Die Hard 2 tried way too hard with with those extremes that just made me go crazy with it. <laughs> I mean, this one's still, from this rewatch, you know, we've mentioned a lot of the scenes that were like, what? Like, how's, how are you getting out of the dam? And how are you jumping onto the boat? And how are you surviving the boat explodes? Like, there's still those quirky things. But I feel like the second one, it just drove me nuts. Well, how they, they took the Die Hard premise and they tried to just make it that much more extreme to the point that it didn't, it, it didn't make sense to me. Well, so that's why I, think, I still rate this one slightly above it. And, but. and I think that's the problem with the Die Hard franchise is that, like, they kept having to go up and up and up and up and up. And it just, like, like in a, in a movie series like The Fast and Furious, it's like, yeah, you can keep going and keep getting ridiculous and it is whatever. But it just, when you're trying to establish the first movie where it's like, he's the everyman, he's a normal guy, you know? Well, here's what I'll say about between Die Hard and Fast and the Furious. The Die Hard movies lose their central theme. The central theme has always been, or should have always been, John Clayne, John McClane, uh, the everyman, is thrown into this, this predicament, and he has to overcome it. Um, it. It doesn't stay with that. It just becomes about, the Die Hard movies just become about a bigger and bigger spectacle, and it kind of loses the heart of it. The Fast and Furious movies, yes, they completely changed the premise of the film. The first film was about street racing and a heist and all that stuff, and it eventually became like a ridiculous over-the-top spy film, like with, you know... But but they're all about family. But no, but, but what I'm saying is, like, from four on, they're all like that. They're all yeah. ridiculous, and yes, they go over the top with them and continue to, but they all stay within the same family... Of of the film, like the film stays within the same, has the same themes. I guess is what I'm right. trying to say. I, I would disagree that Tokyo Drift is not all about. <laughs> That's the third one. I'm talking about the fourth one on. <laughs> That's the second movie. Tokyo Drift is the third one. Third. Yeah, it was. You didn't listen to the Too Fast Too Furious episode. Uh, no, Enough I chops. I don't Enough listen to the chops. <laughs> and then if you're going chronologically, it gets even more confused. That that is true too. Yeah. Um. So. So I think we, we kind of covered everything for uh, Die Hard of the Vengeance. One thing I wanted to do, I know we're probably running long, I'm sure LG I don't care. is looking at me. Um, but I wanted to do, it is 150 episodes. Um, I thought it would be fun. I have it pulled up here. Just I wanted to run through quickly just from uh, 50 or from 100 up to here. I just want to run through the movies we did real quick. Okay. I have the list. And I think it'll be kind of fun. So obviously everyone remembers. Well, everyone remembers. Maybe they don't. But our 100th episode was Predator. So since that time, we have done. Uh, Batman Forever, Guardians of the Galaxy, Escape from L.A., uh, one of Chops' favorite, Wheels on Meals, yeah. uh, The One, The Mummy, The Goonies, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, Cliffhanger, uh, Firewalker, uh, remember when you tried to find that Sphinx and it disappeared <laughs> from, there, from planet Earth, yeah. uh, 
Zombie Land, Dark Man, one of Sphinx's favorite, uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, uh, Half Past Dead, The Living Daylights, Tropic Thunder, True Lies, Highlander, The Transporter, Upgrade, The Raid Redemption, Die Hard 2, Lethal Weapon 2, Robocop 2, The Mummy Returns, Showdown in Little Tokyo, Enter the Dragon, Double Team, another great one, uh, X2, The Dark Knight, Deep Rising, The Born Supremacy, Dread, The Running Man, as Jody mentioned, Too Fast, Too Furious, National Treasure, Blade 2, G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, Cradle to the Grave, The 2021 Mortal Kombat, another one that chops love, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Navy Seals, John Wick Chapter 2, Tango and Cash, uh, a Sphinx favorite, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, uh, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, Crank, Crank 2 High Voltage, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, and Triple Threat. So, quite a range of movies we have covered in the last 50 here. When are you going to do Highlander 2? <laughs> and you can also do The Renegade. Another sequel. Another sequel. <laughs> TMNT2, TMNT The Secret of the Ooze. That was on the list. That, that was already announced. That wasn't listening. Yeah, he zoned out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> National <laughs> Treasure 2. Okay, what about uh, the third one? What about the book third or whatever one? it's called? The third one. Book of Secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Secret book. I like, I like my title better. <laughs> what, what are you guys going to do? Secret of the use, though. Like. <laughs> yeah, I zoned out hardcore on that one. Um, and oh, I just so- the movie right before we, I got here. <laughs> so, uh, LBJ, anything in that last uh, 50 that sticks out to you at all? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, was, I was a big fan of Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. I, I <laughs> was really happy to be on that episode. And, no. Um, no, I mean, obviously, you know, we do a lot of, we try to keep it mixed up. We try to try to hit a lot of films within the action genre. And uh, I think we do a pretty good job mixing it up. Yeah, I think that's a, a very a variety of different kinds of action movies if you read them all back to back. And have, have you like guys that. done a Clint Eastwood movie? Yes, they did. They did one before. Well, I did. we did Fistful of we Dollars. Fistful of Dollars, but we didn't do any of them. It's a sequel to that. Yeah, but what we haven't done is we haven't done Dirty Harry movies. We haven't done, no. um, you know, like uh, any of what? his other Deadpool. Space Cowboys. <laughs> What's the one where he hangs out with the orangutan? We haven't done that one. Oh, Every Which Way But Loose? That's another one of those ones. If you do that, you have to have me on that episode. Because <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> okay, okay it's not, just to say that he hangs around with the orangutan isn't enough. He is a bare-knuckle boxer, romancing a country <laughs> musician, who it happens to have in one of his bare-knuckle boxing matches won a, um, an orangutan. Also, there's some trucking involved. All right. Sphinx, you were saying something? I was just going to say, you know, since these last 50 movies that Hovercraft Joe mentioned, I mean, we started the year of the sequel, and I can't remember if we've if we've talked about it just off the podcast or not, but I think we had a conversation at one point where I think all three of us started to regret the year of the sequel, because we were really going through a pretty rough patch of well, sequels Well, I, I think while. we found that very few of the sequels we covered have been as good or even good. <laughs> Compared yeah. to the original, like, like, I, thought, like I think we thought a lot of them were better than they really ended up being, um, including like this film, right? So yeah, it's I, been kind of a letdown. I think ultimately, when we get done with the year of the sequel, that's what our what our 
kind of consensus is going to be. Is going to be that, you know, with the exception of things like Terminator 2, the sequels are very, very rarely, if ever, better than the original. Lethal Weapon 2 is probably the best one that we've covered so far. I would agree. I agree. You know, yeah. we haven't done we haven't done Beverly Hills Cop two yet, and I'd be ex- oh, I'm excited. that's true. I'd be excited to watch that again because that's a great movie. But yeah. did you do the Dark Knight? I thought you said we, I was gonna, we I was did. Say Dark, Dark Knight. Knight. I would put it over Batman but Begins. See, but see, Covercraft Joe liked Batman. But you know Begins what? It's hard to say that bit. because realistically, they're they're all one movie. The three of them together. Yeah, is it a contained trilogy? Right. Um, all right. Well, I, first, I want to thank you guys for being on. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, and for being here for our 150th episode, that's kind of a big deal for us. Uh, we've been doing this for over three years now. And I never formally agreed to this. Uh, so <laughs> what to be on, on the record? To be on. You didn't sign the release. Yes. You're going to have to cut him out. I, I want to thank. I want to thank because I. I think like. We kind of thought having this many people, like, not we're going to do it every week, but I don't. I think it went pretty well. I don't I think, think it was that did. much of a train wreck. No, no, it's fine. I mean, we could go back and I can mess it up. Some more. <laughs> I mean, we could do, we could do more. The only issue was like Jody trying to like pick up his computer every thirty seconds and shake it violently. You know, as well, you know, I was here. We we did have we did have some technical issues. I will say that. I can scream some more so my voice yes. breaks in and out. Let's be yeah. fair, it wouldn't be an episode of the Last Action Podcast if you didn't have to pause it at some point in the middle of the episode and then we had to pick back up. So. This is way smoother than National Treasure. <laughs> and Sphinx is trading his life, so uh, I think that's also a bonus, right? <laughs> What was that? Wait, Sphinx what? Sphinx isn't hating his life from this no, movie. That's, so that's true. Uh, normally, when I'm on the episodes, um, I've usually Unless it's die- destroyed it- part of his soul because of what other movie we watched. But you've done all the Die Hard, so those are that's like literally the only time the Die Hard and Three Hundred is the only time you've you been on the show and meals? I don't want to kill. He I was on that episode. Was on that oh episode. darn! Yep. You missed out. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, do you guys want to plug anything? I have a question. Sure. Plug my foot. Is uh, News and Dragons it's got like, what, four or five more months left? <laughs> no, no. Actually, believe it or not, by the time this comes out, uh, which will be, well, this week, uh, we'll have, I think, two episodes left to air. Of season two. Of season two. Right. And then season three will kick up. But I'm not in season three. Sphinx is not in season three. But there's only probably two episodes left of, uh, of, of me I mean, you've been Sphinx. telling me that it's going to be over soon since last December, I yeah. feel. No, I said it was going to go into August, so we're getting into August. <laughs> That's how we felt when Craig WK kept telling us we had to keep recording, too. He kept telling us, soon, soon we'll finish. Yeah. A year and a half later. Um, but yeah, does anyone... Uh, Chops, you want to plug anything? Yeah, you want to uh, plug anything? Yeah, The Legend of Retro is ending, and... Uh, Wow, what if we get down? Right to the throat. Well, spoiler alert. Uh, yeah, no, we're ending the podcast, and it'll probably end sometime late uh, August, early uh, September. Um, so go back and listen to all our, all our episodes. Tell us how great we are. Um, you can email at, uh, us at, I think it's the Legend of Retro Podcast at gmail.com with any kind of thoughts or anything that you want to share with us that we'll bring up on our last episode. I can, and, I can uh, confirm yeah. that's your email address because I stole your login for Zencaster here. Perfect. There you go. <laughs> Enjoy hey, it. Good news. 
More more time Chops is going to have available to be on our Yeah, show. I would like to formally oh. announce uh, Chops is going to be the new co-host of the show. It's, it's not and true. Congratulations. It's, it's definitely never going to happen. And, uh, you're going to do my Young Indiana Jones podcast with me, right? Young Indiana Jones uh, Chronicles podcast? Uh, only if we can also do um, a MacGyver podcast without my brother. Oh, you <laughs> cannot yeah. do that. That is... No. <laughs> Are we all just picking shows that other people like? Oh, me and Sphinx are doing a Veronica Mars podcast, and we're not going to show you. <laughs> no, I was thinking we were going to do uh, all Richard Dean Anderson uh, uh, me, uh, me, movies. Me and, and me and Dave are starting a Star Trek podcast, and Sphinx yeah. and, uh, Sphinx and, uh, and I are doing a technical porn podcast. Jason. <laughs> 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 oh, not do not get me involved in whatever weird <laughs> shit you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> on the record, no, no, no. Yeah, he, yeah, D- Dave. He needs to keep that part of his life private. <laughs> that is, that's going to be a weird podcast to be hosted by the Sphinx and the Tush. Like, two people, are, two people are horrified by the subject. Listen, he's like, just going to. Oh horrify. God! Oh God! He's going to go by his second name, BDNF, on that podcast. <laughs> you guys can figure out what that means. Yeah. Um, uh, Dave, Jody, have we turned yeah. this off yet? Anything you guys yeah. want to? Yeah, so um, I'm I need to take the I'm trying to take the initiative, trying to get uh, my book is finished. It's registered to the Library of Congress. I'm going to I'm going to look into self publishing, or I was talking to a guy the other day, so that you should still send it into publishers. So uh, that will hopefully be out shortly. So wait, you're writing a you wrote a book? I did. It's called Overtime: An Adventure in a Lesser Hell. Nice. nice. Well, let's, let 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 us know when that's out. We can. Uh, well, I'm, you, I'm gonna print you a copy and make you read it on vacation, Joe. When, when are you gonna get on the uh, the Discord as the Tush, man? I need to. I, I, you know, I'm always tap tap tapping away. I gotta start applying it to that. Uh, Jody, anything you want to plug other than the Food Channel on the Discord? I know you're big in there. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think I have anything to plug this week. All right, uh, Sphinx. What about you? That's glad to be back. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think I, it's been I, a wild summer. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, you know what? This episode is. This, this I liked episode, it. This episode encapsulate, encapsulates why I love doing the podcast. It was just a lot of fun talking with you guys and kind of getting into some weird stuff about this movie. But um, ultimately, we weren't too far apart. That was the crazy thing. Like we had three three point fives and three threes. Yep. So the most of the show went with the three and a halfs, and the guests went with the threes. Oh, there you go. This is there you go. Too. Uh, I don't know. I didn't minor in math like you. I well, so it would just be that the average would be three point two five. You wanted to give it. Last, <laughs> uh, LBJ. Anything else that you want to say here at the end? Yeah. I well, first, you know, let's do our normal plugs. Uh, check us out on Patreon. Check us out at GameZillaMedia.com, um, and definitely join our Discord and chat with us. Uh, patrons, thank you so much for sticking with us and for contributing. We really appreciate it. Um, and then, uh, just in general, you know, like I said earlier, this is, this is our 150th episode. Um, we kind of just have fun doing it. Um, I, myself, I just do it because I enjoy it. You know, I like getting together with my friends and chatting with them. I don't have a whole lot of time that I spend outside of work and my house. So this is kind of my fun time, my outlet. Uh, to sort of, you know, express my love of action movies and to hang out with my friends and talk about it. So thank you to anyone who's been a guest on the show. Uh, thank you to anyone who's listened to the show. Uh, and we're going to keep going strong for, for as far as, uh, as far as I, as far as we can take it. Uh, 
<laughs> you know? Oh, can, can I add one more thing? Um, if you happen to be a Facebook friend of mine, I have a birthday fundraiser right now for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Uh, think about maybe uh, consider that. I'd like to thank the people who have donated. The lovely friend of the show, Aaron, um, Mike, top my uncle, uh, friend of the show, Frasky, and Brittany. So I wanted to thank all of them. And if I forgot anyone, sorry. All right. That's all right. Yeah, good. But no, I, and I, I, I echo exactly everything you say, LBJ. It's uh, it's just fun to sit around here and talk with movies about you guys and. You know, we just—it's just for fun, and the fact that people listen to it and we interact and we get feedback—it's great. Like we we love hearing from people how much they like it and, and get into new episodes. And for us, it's just fun to sit here and do it. Absolutely. Um. All right. Well, that said, this episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated. But we'll be back. Okay. 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 Goodbye. No. That's it. No. Boy. Off the rails. Say good night. Say good night. I'm sorry.